Ah, yes, the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme, and that is the message that I am sending to Los Angeles Chargers fans as well as our guest Shannon Farron, because if you listen to that show, I had asked Shannon, what are the keys to Lions to a Lions victory? Do they have a chance? And she said they don't. Well, <laughs> guess what? 13 to 10, Lions beat the Chargers. Now, before we introduce our guests, I have an, an advertisement I have to get out of the way from Monkey Knife Fight for our 3PS mag people. Unfortunately for me, it has been comical with this Monkey Knife Fight website. What, what it is, is it's a prop betting website. Similar to DraftKings or FanDuel, you, you deposit, you make a bet on, on a game like Over Under or Rapid Fire as those are two, two games that you play. Like, for example, last night the, the prop bet was Gardner Minshew versus Marcus Mariota, who would have more yards. Mariota was given 25 and a half. Mariota won that, unfortunately. Uh, total receptions, DJ Chark versus uh, D.D. Westbrook. D.D. Westbrook won that. I picked Chark. So if you're me, I have com- I am comical as far as how bad I've done on this site. But if you want more than a snowball's chance in hell at winning, go to monkeyknifefight.com. Enter in the promo code 3PSMAG. Your first deposit will be matched by that at Monkey Knife Fight. So with that being said, we crack open another episode of the Tom Green Podcast. Some Diet Coke with Splenda. Uh, sweetener is my ch- drink of choice for this show. It is not water, but I do also have a glass of water near me. And I also have as my guest... A guy by the last name of combining those two things, drink and water, Ryan Drinkwater at Philly's Finest Sports Network. Welcome to the show, Ryan. What's up, Tom? How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm sure you have to be impressed by how I introduced you there. (laughs) That was good. I mean, I've heard a lot of jokes and things of that nature when it comes to my last name, but that is a new one. (laughs) I I definitely got a kick out of that. Definitely. Definitely. He he knows I've been doing this for a while, so I have very interesting (laughs) introductions and such. So that being said, let's first focus on the Detroit Lions real fast, and then we'll go to his Philadelphia Eagles beating the Chargers, a team that could, and of course losing the Lions doesn't help, but they, they could make the Super Bowl. Let's see if how New England does and the rest of the rest of the AFC does, but they're a Super Bowl contender. How would you think that would be for Detroit fans? For Detroit to be a Super Bowl contender? For for beating a Super Bowl contender. Oh, I mean, yeah, you know, San Diego, the Chargers were definitely one of the teams that people were raving about for the AFC this year. So, you know, even with the absence of a guy like Melvin Gordon, um, their filling is pretty much filled those shoes pretty pretty good defense is solid out there really good win for detroit yes definitely very a very good win especially like i'd said in the in the game recap the three takeaways were mistakes they they won despite nine penalties they won despite two stafford interceptions a huge fumble and this is this is goes into point number two a huge fumble by austin eckler at the goal line forced by Jelani Tavai, helped them stay in this game, as well as the point number three, Trust Stafford. Daryl Bevel learned that lesson in Arizona just a couple weeks ago. 
He turned to Stafford. They beat a, like we said, like we were mentioning, Super Bowl contender in the Los Angeles Chargers. So, huge win for Detroit. Now we bring in Philly, who suffered a not very good defeat against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, right now, the right now the consensus in Philly I see is which is better, the Philadelphia Eagles, Pats, or Geno's. <laughs> I'm not sure how it is out there, but uh, fill me in. Uh, you know what? Um, honestly, things right now are not really the easiest. That was pretty much a game that the Eagles gave away numerous times. Uh, but there was also big plays in that game that Atlanta missed where they probably could have been blowing them out. So all things considered, things are not the best right now for most Eagles fans. People are very hopeful about this week playing at home against the Detroit Lions. Uh, I'm expecting them to get back on track and do what they haven't been able to do here yet, and that is play a complete football game. But, you know, a lot of people that I have spoken with and just the overall vibe in Philadelphia right now is this is almost a must-win game for Philly because if you go, if you drop this one, you're one and two to start the year off. The first two games were shaky at best. And, you know, for a team that's supposed to be also contending for a Super Bowl title this year, starting off one and two would be a horrible, horrible way to get to that goal. Yeah, you've had two consecutive playoff appearances, and now the quarterback that's led you through two consecutive playoff appearances is now hurt in Jacksonville for the Mike Leach wonder Gardner Minshew, who looks to be America's quarterback. But going back to Philly, um, injuries have really messed with this team. Tell us about it. Well, you know, I think first and foremost i got to give some credit to the Detroit defense so far this year. I didn't realize that they were ranked number six in the NFL with points allowed. They're only allowing 11 points a game. I, again, we've only had two games to play. It's not allowed to go off, but that's quite the number to have. Um, you know, in, in the same regard, Philadelphia right now is tied for 25th in the NFL with average points against them. So... You know, there's going to be a lot of keys to victory, I think, for Philadelphia this upcoming weekend. But the most important one for me is going to be the health overall of the players that we have right now. There's some key guys that are already slated to miss the game, and there's quite a few that are as questionable and probably, if you're being more realistic, would be doubtful. Definitely. So um, as far as the quarterback situation, that's one of the injuries we're not sure who would right now. We're not sure who would play better right now at the quarterback position: Carson Wentz or Prince Harry, because Carson Wentz is that hurt right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean he got banged up. You know that's what happens when your offensive line has pretty much been in shambles from the beginning of the season. Last week alone, our left tackle had one of the worst performances I think in NFL history since PFF has been taking rankings down. This is Lane and Johnson, that, correct? I'm sorry? This is Lane Johnson, correct? No, I don't believe it was Johnson. I think okay. it was Mai Tai. Um, oh, 
The who I can't I can't even yeah, pronounce that yeah, name. Yeah, <laughs> So basically, what he did was he allowed two sacks, he allowed eight quarterback hurries, he also allowed six quarterback hits all in the same game, which is pretty damn impressive when you add right. that up. Um, and that's key, you know. Obviously, when Wentz under pressure the way he is and getting hit the way that he is at this rate. The biggest concern for Philadelphia fans and, you know, a lot of people around the NFL is can Carson wants to stay healthy for a full season. And, you know, there's a lot of doubt to begin with that. You know, he's pretty much had an injury and a significant one every single year he's been in the NFL. And if he stays at this rate that the Eagles are letting him get hit, hurried and sacked for the full season, he probably won't even make it past the midway point. So that's something they need to correct as soon as possible and figure out a way to keep number 11 upright. Yeah, and the thing was, just two years ago when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, PFF listed the Eagles as the best offensive line in the NFL. And they played to form with, with, by also picking up Jay Ajayi in that season. He, had, he wasn't the force that he was in Miami, but he definitely made runs that mattered. And Carson Wentz, even though he did get hurt, Foles was majorly protected with that offensive line. And now, as you said, it's in shambles. And Wentz, who knows, could go down again in this game against Detroit. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's the injuries. You know, you got you got an aging guy in Jason Peters who was coming off injuries last year who's still not back to 100%. You know, you got Cooks as a guard. That's same thing. He's coming off an Achilles injury. That's one of the hardest injuries to come back from any sport and more so for an offensive lineman the way you have to move your feet non-stop and um, just the other guys I mean overall they went from being one of the top lines in football to start this year off they're probably one of the worst so again it's only two games I think these are things that the Eagles can correct and getting healthy and finding that rhythm together as a unit will come in time I have faith in that definitely and then I had mentioned Lane Johnson because, and we, and surprisingly, I'd never mentioned it to a Philly fan, to this Philly fan, Mr. Drinkwater, until now. But are you familiar with EDP? Uh, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> he does not like Lane Johnson. <laughs> and he's one of these people that <laughs> he says he is a real true fan, but every week he go, he talks about how the Eagles suck. It's comical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to, I can see that. Lane's quite the personality, so he's one of the people you either love him or you don't. I don't really think there's too much of an in-between area when it comes to Lane Johnson. <laughs> and the same, the same kind of goes with EDP because his rants are hilarious and some that I probably cannot repeat on air because he he has a colorful, very colorful vocabulary, but. EDP, you won't regret looking at EDP stuff because he <laughs> he talks about the weirdest things, but it's hilarious. <laughs> so with that being said, I also have a friend of mine that is traveling out to Philadelphia right now as we speak, and I'll, I'll have to tweet him as he is probably still on the road to Philly once this podcast gets up. He went to elementary school with me. His name is Tyler Schroeder. We also call him Dank, at Tyler Schroeder 7. Good friend of mine, been an Eagles fan since, oh, since we were in elementary school, actually. He 
He always wore Brian Dawkins jerseys to school in 2003, 2004, around that time. And <laughs> I, w I was a Lions fan that has still suffered, unfortunately. So shout out to Dank at Tyler Schroeder 7. <laughs> but yes, I actually went to school with a Philadelphia Eagles fan. That's amazing. I mean, he had a good choice of jersey there. B Dog, one of the best to ever play. And arguably, one of the biggest upsets I've ever seen was in 2004 when we see <clears throat> the the Madden Michael Vick, the Michael Vick uh, Falcons get beat by the Eagles to go to the Super Bowl, and Philly almost won that Super Bowl. If we think about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I want to go down that memory. Right now, so understandable <laughs> understandable <laughs> but just saying out there that that eagles team had to pull a huge upset over the team that you've probably banned from playing in madden to get there <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> so with that being said keys to a lions win how do how do the lions defeat this injured banged up eagles team well i think honestly right now the only biggest area the Eagles are struggling in minus offensive line play would be their secondary. Um, right now, they're allowing 340 yards a game to opposing quarterbacks, and that is 31st in the NFL. The Eagles have been getting torched, especially in that game against Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Kevin Ridley both have monster games. Ronald Darby, quarterback for the Eagles, Probably got burnt more than I've ever seen a quarterback get beat for a full game, uh, minus an interception he had late in the game, which I think was more so a bad throw of Matt Ryan than a play made by Ronald Darby. It was unreal, man. They they are really, really struggling defensively and especially in the secondary. So I think. Matt Stafford playing pretty well. Again, so far this year, Mr. Consistent is what I like to call him personally. Um, mm -hmm. With the receivers you guys have, tight ends, you know, you got a good one there, a young guy that's pretty much exploding onto the NFL scene. TJ Hawkinson. I think they might mm -hmm. be able to give the Eagles some trouble across the middle and in the secondary for sure. So I would think that the Lions are going to air it out this Sunday. And if they can do it at a higher rate and Stafford limits his turnovers, you know, as much as it pains me to say it, Tom, I could, I could give them a realistic shot of winning that game. <laughs> he, I almost couldn't get that out. That's how bad it's <laughs> he's, he's trying to avoid becoming the next victim of the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme song to start the, to start the podcast. That's why he said that. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, my keys to Lions victory, like you said, the Eagles secondary is burnt like my mother likes her toasts. Very burnt. I, in fact, I, lo I look at the toast that she makes, and I, I say, Mom, this isn't food. This isn't real food. That's unfortunately how the Eagles secondary is right now. So, Lions, target Ronald Darby. Get Galladay there. Get Marvin Jones on Ronald Darby. Target him. As for the offensive line, again, got our um, carry on Johnson was kind of held in check against the Chargers, but the Eagles Eagles defensive line isn't quite the unit that the Chargers defensive line is. They're not bad. They're just they're not. They don't have Joey Bosa. 
And I it's it pains me to talk about an Ohio State guy on a Michigan themed show, but Joey Bosa's proven to have done great work in that Charger defensive line, held Kerryon Johnson in check. So uh, Kerryon's gonna well, have that's to find. Scary. I think you're gonna see. You gotta give my boy Fletcher Cox a little bit of love. Eagles defensive line is one of the strongest ones in football. Fletcher Cox is probably one of the best, if not the best, he tackle in football. I got your boy Johnson as my fancy one back, and I think I'll bench them. We'll just put it that way. Gotcha. So the so the Lions go from facing Joey Bosa to facing Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, which it's kind of you're kind of taking two steps back to to the next guy who takes two steps forward. So you almost got the same type of guy, just two steps down from Joey Bosa. So not saying it's easy, but it's 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 going to be tough with, for carry on once again. So air it out, um, get some type of running game going, and stop um, stop the Eagles. <laughs> they, I mean, the Eagles are banged up. They were resorted to walkthroughs this week over actual practice and game preparation because of the injuries. You have to stop a team that resorts to walkthroughs, except if it's Thursday, which the Lions are used to every season playing on Thanksgiving. So, yeah. And Tom, just to let you know, sure. I want to. I got. I got to throw this point there since we're talking about the run game. Sure. The Eagles' run defense leads the NFC, allowing only 42 rushing yards per contest. I know. Again, it's only been two games, but you know, I think again, the key for Detroit this weekend is going to be airing that ball out and taking advantage of the secondary. I think the Eagles have shown two games in this year and even last year, bread and butter on defense has been being able to stop and contain the run, forcing the quarterbacks to have to throw multiple times. The only difference is in previous years, the Eagles were able to get to the quarterback, create a lot of turnovers. That's something they haven't been able to transition into this season yet. So if the Eagles are playing Chicago this year, you're you're saying the same thing as Green Bay did. Make Mitch Trubisky play quarterback and you'll win. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I do. I also was stumbling across some random game facts when it comes to the sure. Detroit Lions and the Eagles as far as, you know, head-to-head matchups. I was hoping to find more things geared towards Philly, but <laughs> I did not. So I figured you might get a kick out of this. Oh, of course. Friends and fans of Detroit. Would also enjoy this. So the Eagles have, between the last four times they played, the Lions are three and one against Philly with Matt Stafford under center, and that includes wins in the last two meetings where he threw eight touchdowns and zero interceptions. The sad thing is, I remember the one loss in that statistic. I think you do too. It was Snowmageddon 2013. Yes, it was, but, you know, I think that game was pretty much a uh, toss-up. You know, you can't really fall. I'm surprised they even finished that game. From what I remember, it was uh, at times comical because of the conditions on the field. But. I, I remember I remember seeing Calvin Johnson or Megatron's helmet just filled with snow and Jim Schwartz calling a timeout just to clear the field for his kicker. Yep. Yep, I remember that too. There was wasn't there a time where somebody's helmet was like filled with snow? They didn't realize it. They picked it up and put it on the up like completely snowmaning themselves. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't Calvin. I it, I'm not sure, but yeah, I, I uh, we remember that game very well. 
he does more than I because I want to forget it, but still. <laughs> it tells you how we remember the one loss over the three victories. Sadly. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I, again, like, you know, Matt Stafford, it's one of the better teams that he's found against. If you look at his, you know, statistic-wise, you, you can't argue that. He's got eight touchdowns. He hasn't thrown an interception against Philly, in the, you know, since he's faced him in his career. So, I think this year he's at, what, 65, 66% completion percentage? Something like that, mistaken. yeah. So, he's, he's doing what Matt Stafford normally does, which is... Throw for a lot of yards, complete passes at a high rate. And, you know, this year he's actually toned his turnovers down. Uh, you know, again, we're only going off two games, but we know he's got five touchdowns through the air and only two interceptions. So that's that's a that's a fairly solid rate. You're looking at five times eight would be forty. You you're looking at forty versus sixteen, which I would for say is would a, be. I think that'd be one of his better statistics. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I I would definitely take 40 and 16. So, um, also, another factoid, um, our buddy Dank was also at the Chip Kelly Lions-Eagles Thanksgiving game. I remember that pretty vividly because I remember him taking a Snapchat, a selfie with himself and Chip Kelly. So, (laughs) with that being said, keys to an Eagles win. How do the Eagles Eagles beat Detroit at, at the link? Well, I think honestly, so far this year, the Eagles have not really had any kind of running game. Um, I don't think that's because there's not talent at the running back position. I think it's because they've had literally a lack of interest in even attempting to run the ball. And you can tie that directly in with our earlier conversation about the offensive line and keeping Carson Wentz on his feet. You have to be able to run the ball to some some sort of extent, and that's something Philly has not tried or been able to do very well so far this year. So you gotta get you gotta get the run game going. I need to see Miles Sanders have a pretty solid game. He hasn't really had one yet. He's had a couple of runs where you say, "Okay, I can see that flash of potential everyone's talking about," but other than that, he's been fairly quiet. You know. The Eagles picked up Jordan Hayward this offseason, or Howard this offseason, excuse me. That guy hasn't even really seen the field in two games. So I don't know if he did something to piss off Doug Peterson or what, but he can't get on the field. You know, those two combined need to get a run game going. That will get the offensive line playing better. It'll open up the passing game, and the Eagles are going to need that because right now it's looking like they're definitely going to be without Deshaun Jackson for at least this weekend, probably another week or two after. And then our next top guy, Alshon Jeffrey, is also probably going to miss this game. So you're down your top two receivers, two of your biggest threats to go downfield. You know, it's going to be tough. If they don't have a run game whatsoever this weekend, again, you know, Detroit could have a very good chance of walking out of there winning. That was, yeah. Another thing I was going to say was uh, Jordan Howard. I thought I thought the Bears made a huge mistake by getting rid of Jordan Howard, trading him to Philly, or letting him go because he was he was the main running game on that Bears offense. Yes, you have a speedster in Tariq Cohen who is about my height, five foot nine. And at least 50 pounds lighter than yours truly. But still, uh, J- 
Jordan Howard hasn't seen the field in Philadelphia, and it's and as a Philly fan, I would be scratching my head right now, thinking, "What's going on?" I mean, Sanders has the potential, but Howard's proven it on an offense that has been sort of lackluster in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, it's unreal. Look, when we first signed him, everybody in Philly was ecstatic. You know, what you just said, the fact that Chicago let him go was uh, puzzling to me. You know, without not without going too much into Chicago, they got Tariq Cohen. They drafted a pretty good kid, so I could I could see it in that, you know, aspect that mm-hmm. it's okay to let, to let him walk. But I was excited. I was looking forward to his style of play. It's on the Eagles. You know, when you mentioned J.J. earlier in the podcast, yeah, they haven't had that type of style of runner really since then. So he can give you a little bit of the power. He can also give you a little bit of the speed. He can catch the ball pretty well out of the backfield. I haven't really seen any of that so far. Yeah. So, again, I know the Eagles are extremely high on Miles Sanders. Um, everything that I've heard and known has been midway point of the season, maybe week seven, eight. Nine, somewhere around there, they were looking for Sanders to be able to prove that he could take over and be the full-time featured back. But what? we're already at week three, and it's looking like he's, you know, going to be the prime guy with, yeah. you know, Jordan barely getting on the field. So again, I don't know what it is. I uh, there hasn't been anything on Eagle social media on the radio here in Philadelphia leading us to believe he's hurt or you know he's struggling in practice. I know he had. A lot of a lot of fumbling issues. That was one of his big knocks. So he couldn't hang on to the ball. But again, I haven't heard anything like that. So I, there seems to be some confusion between head coach Doug Peterson and running backs coach Stu Staley. You know, week one they asked Doug Peterson about it. And he said, "Well, that's pretty much up to Stu Staley to decide which running backs get in. How they, you know." how the committee works. And then after last week's loss, they asked Deuce Staley the same question. And his response pretty much was, well, that's up to Doug Peterson to decide. So I I don't know what what the case is, but either way, they got to get that kid on the field a little bit more than he has been. Yeah, and Howard... Howard's been on power offenses as well as spread offenses because he was at Indiana. And we know that he was on the Kevin Wilson Indiana teams that were running gun no huddle so howard howard can do it all and as far as for eagles keys to the game i would say get jordan howard in there snacks has struggled so far this year on the defense on the defensive running game expose that get howard and sanders going as far as wide receiving core um you're gonna have to use Ertz, and it's gotta hurt so good because uh, your 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 top two wide receivers are are toast right now due to injury. All you really got is Zach Ertz. Even Dallas Goddard's down right now. I bet you Ryan's thinking, well, well, hell, why don't we put EDP on one side of my offensive line and Tom Green on the other side of the offensive line? There you go. You got you got you can get open holes again. <laughs> That's how. Yeah, I'm, I mean, yeah. To me, one thing I like about Detroit's defense is their linebacking core. I think it's very underrated in the eyes of the NFL. So you got guys there that also played, if I'm not mistaken, for the Redskins, so they should be pretty familiar with a lot of faces they're going to see this weekend. So a guy like Zach Ertz, I mean, I would think they're going to hone in on taking him out of the game. You know, Ertz can beat you not in ways like most 
of the elite tight ends, Ken, like Kelsey, he's not going to take the top off and burn you for a 60, 70-yard touchdown, but he will eat up catches and stockpile yards and attack the middle very, very well. That's Carson's go-to target. So I would think that Detroit's going to try to limit him, shadow him, maybe even double him for majority of the game because after that, you know, you mentioned Godair's out too. Uh, we basically have Nelson Aguilar, who, if you did not watch the game against Atlanta, even though he finished with 100 yards and a touchdown, if he made some other plays, he could have finished with about 200 yards and two touchdowns. So uh, the confidence level in a guy like that right now is not very high, to say the least, here in Philadelphia. Yeah, very. So, like I said, do Philly win? Uh, get the running game going. Hit Ertz as many times as you can, if not Aguilar, and find something on your def- on on your secondary. I mean, you can't. I mean, burnt toast is burnt toast, but you got to find a way to to get the setting on your toaster down to a light to lighter to a lighter crisping, so that it's yeah, not going to get so burnt. Find that knife to scrape some of it off, one or the other. Or, or at least don't <laughs> butter the toast before putting it in the toaster. Yeah, and one last thing, Tom. Yeah. The Eagles have really, really. And this goes not just for the first two games of the season. This goes back even in the last season. The Eagles have to get off to a good start in the first quarter. I'll, I'll take it a little bit further. The first half. They have been playing from behind. and They have been playing where they don't really hit their groove or start playing solid football until the second half or until they're behind in a game. So they got to come out firing on all cylinders and get off to a hot start finally because if you go down they were down 17 nothing to Washington in week one at home yeah. going into halftime Washington's not that great you know Case Keenum looked like Tom Brady that afternoon but that's not a team that really makes me nervous you go down 17 nothing to the Detroit Lions with a guy like Matt Stafford on the center and the defense that they had this year that's playing at a top 10 level it's not going to be a very easy thing to come back from. Definitely. So, with that being said, uh, score predictions. How will Sunday afternoon go at, at the Wink? Will, will Philly fans be eating cheesesteaks in style, or will they be throwing them at their offensive line? Well, you know, as a homer, I obviously am going to pick the Eagles here. I'm going to go with a score of 27-17. 27 to 17. And so, and seeing as I had said, would they throw cheesesteaks at their offensive line? Remember, this is Philly. And Ryan knows that Philly fans are not the kindest. So that could actually happen. <laughs> yeah, that actually could happen. Considering, uh, did you hear about the Mike Scott fight that happened at the Eagles tailgate in week one? I did not, actually. All right, well, real quick here. Sure. It's kind of a bad luck for. Philly fans, but, you know, um, so there was a group tailgate that they always have down at the link for football games. Um, Mike Scott forward for the Philadelphia 76ers. Who also misses 100% of the shots he doesn't take. Um, <laughs> he actually let everybody know for probably two weeks that he'd be down at the tailgate. He's got this thing, you know, Philly fans where he goes out, hangs with them, takes pictures with them, whatever else. Yeah. Being a he cool gets player. down there, and uh, he was dressed in all Redskins gear. Oh. And he went past one of the wrong spots, to say the least, and ended up getting into a 
verbal and physical confrontation with a group of fans down here. So if that guy happens to be listening to this podcast or somehow gets his ears to hear it, you're an asshole, number one. And number yeah. two, Mike Scott's the man. And, you know, he tried to do the right thing and not really get involved in the matter. But again, he can only take so much as a man sometimes. So, I mean, according to, to, to just a, way, a ways away in Scranton, he is the world's best boss. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, Wayne Gretzky, Mike Scott. Absolutely. <laughs> also, and I will add very quickly to that Philly fans point, week three of the preseason, I think it was, against the Titans, I saw a video right near Lincoln Financial Field of a guy that was beat up pretty badly wearing Titans gear. And a few Philly yeah, I mean, fans were handcuffed. Philly fans get a bad rap, and a lot of the times, I think you guys can maybe say this too. I don't know how things are in Detroit, but there's always that one group of guys that have a, a, a couple, a little bit too much of the old man juice. You know what I mean? On the yeah. weekends, and then, you know, that doesn't speak for the whole fan base. So, all in all, Philadelphia is a fan base, is die hard. You know, they're not as bad as they're portrayed in the media. I think it's, it's completely unfair at times. The look that they, you know, are, are pretty much getting perceived by national media at times. I can vouch for a lot of these guys. I go down. I got six or season tickets. I make a couple Eagles games a year. There's, it's not as bad as everybody tries to make it on the scene, but you know, in the world we live in, right. unfortunately, there there is a few that are sour that can always ruin a good time. So yeah, exactly. I just want to put that out there. Sure. So, with that being said, my score prediction: I honestly think Detroit's going to walk out of the link with a victory, twenty-seven twenty. Um, I see. I see Stafford throwing for three touchdowns, one to Galladay, one to Jones, and then one out of the backfield to carry on. Uh, carry on's going to have a tough day, especially against Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and that Eagles defensive line. Uh, I would say less than 50 yards for carry on. I would say, I would say sit him as far as fantasy. And Carson Wentz isn't going to have a terrible day. I think Ertz might get over 100 yards in receiving just because he's oh, darn near the only option they have. Aguilar will get a couple of nice catches as well, but I see 27-20 Lions final. Lions advanced to 2-0-1. With that being said, now we go to the the famed segment in this Tom Green podcast, and that's the Rapid Fire Games. Of course, it's not actually Rapid Fire. Uh, Analysis is more than always welcome, as I always do a little bit of analysis on the game as well. Uh, the original Rapid Fire segment had Tennessee-Jacksonville. We had to scrap that because this podcast was recorded after that game. It's Minshew season. Now we go to college games. We start at the Coliseum where the Rams dismantled the Saints and the Saints complained about the refs again. But we go to college this time. Utah, USC. I'm going to have to go with Utah. You're going with Utah on Friday night. This one's a toughie. Uh, Matt Hardesty was talking about how USC lost to uh, BYU last week. Something about Friday night games at home at the Coliseum. I'm going to take USC in this one, three by three. Uh, Cal and Ole Miss. Cal. 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 Cal.
hold on, miss. Uh, man, that's a tough one. I think I'm going to have to go with Ole Miss. You are going with Ole Miss on that one. Um, as you know of, of being a Michigan fan, we had to deal with Ole Miss's now offensive coordinator for three seasons. Who is Ole Miss's old coordinator? Rich Rod. Which is about as bad of a word as Aaron Rodgers is on this program. <laughs> Not a fan of Rich Rodriguez at all. Give me Cal. Um, Ole Miss is still on probation as far as I'm concerned. So I'm going to say not so fast, my friend, on that one as well and go Cal 21-17. Ole Miss is going to struggle again on offense, and they always will until they realize that Rich Rod is just a flash in the pan. SEC on CBS, Auburn, Texas A&M. Oh, man. Uh, give me Auburn in that one. Auburn at Kyle Field. Interesting pick. Uh, this is this is going to be a breakout game for AM and Kellen Mond. I'm going to put the over-under on Jimbo yelling at Kellen Mond to three times and take the over because heck, Kellen Mond likes to get yelled at by, by Jimbo. It's how he's learned throughout his his years at that academy. Um, Bo Nix is not, is not going to struggle. He'll have sort of a breakout game, 300 yards, two touchdowns, but give me AM at home, 41-38. Notre Dame and Georgia, Saturday night in Athens. I just got to pick Georgia for the simple fact I can't stand Notre Dame, so give me Georgia. <laughs> you and me both. Notre Dame, the Irish, the gold, the white, are always overrated. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Georgia is going to come out like the gladiators that are in Athens, or Athenos. And even though I think Notre Dame will make this sort of close and surprise a few people, Georgia will pull this one out 21-14, something like that. And then the replacement for Tennessee-Jacksonville, we got Oklahoma State-Texas. I'm going to have to go with the Longhorns. Give me Texas. You like the Longhorns in that one? Unfortunately for Oklahoma State, they're... The stadium, or the stadium was named after an investor named T. Boone Pickens, and unfortunately he passed away at the age of 90 just a couple of weeks ago. But this game is in Austin. Ellinger looks looks decent even against LSU. Uh, give me Hook'em Horns, 31-20. Now going to the NFL, uh, the, the team that just beat you with the receiver that torched you, Julio Jones in Atlanta against the Colts. <laughs> I gotta say, Atlanta's gonna—I oh, hate to say it—but the Colts are—they're not actually not playing as bad as I thought they would without Andrew Luck and the bombshell that that whole scenario was. Kobe Brissett's been pretty solid, but I think Atlanta gets it done. In a higher-scoring affair, I'll take them 35-28. All righty. I had a debate with this one with Matt Hardesty a couple days ago. We both decided to go with Indy, Indy, so I'm also going to go not-so-fast, my friend, on that one and pick Indy. It's because it's at Lucas Oil Stadium. Atlanta has been a tale of two teams, one that looked awful against Minnesota and one that, one that looked decent against your Eagles. 
I know. Easy, easy. I like State Farm. Easy, easy. Don't mess with my discount. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I won't mess with your safe driving discount there. Oh, yeah. With Georgia Jake from State Farm. I got to say that, too. What are you wearing, Jake from State Farm? Uh, khakis. <laughs> I'm going with Indian that one. Vinatieri is going to find his groove once again after a couple weeks of misery in the kicking front. Jacoby Brissett, T.Y. Hilton look like a decent, a decent quarterback wide receiving core. Marlon Mack, as well, has surprised a lot of people. Indy 21, Atlanta 17. Carolina and Arizona. Well, is this based on Cam Newton starting or not starting? That's a good question. I I picked this game back a couple days ago as if he's not starting. All right, I'll tell you that even if he is starting, Carolina is playing like trash right now. They can't get anything going. Christian McCaffrey's about the only thing that team's got. And I think, let's go with a final score. We'll do 28-14, Arizona. Kyler Murray's playing pretty damn well so far. Arizona defense has been, I say, a hair above average. I think they have enough, and the kid is doing well enough to pull out a win. The air raid offense is still a bit of a mystery to me. Yes, it's worked with Pat Mahomes. Kyler Murray is starting to make it work as well in Arizona. But the thing is here, Cam Newton is still concussed. And he probably will not start this Sunday. In fact, I would I would actually put a prop bet on him wearing the same thing he did last Sunday, last Sunday's post-game press conference. He was looking like Whitney Houston. And he'll probably sing, I will always love you on the sidelines. And in Arizona, I would I would put a bet on that if he were still that concussed. <laughs> with that yeah, being, I mean, he, his foot's pretty bad too. So, you know, between that, what they're saying about his shoulder, definitely not the can that was MVP for and actually won an MVP a couple years ago. So that's true. So Cam not only is concussed, but he has a hurt foot and a hurt shoulder. It's ooh, just not looking good. Uh, give me Arizona and Kyler Murray. Kyler gets his first win as an NFL quarterback. 44-38. Ra- Sunday night football, Rams and Cleveland. Oh, man, we, we didn't have a better game than this to pick. <laughs> Cleveland, man, they're, what, what's going on with them? You know, they're supposed to be a Super Bowl contending team, and, you know, OBJ's in town, Baker Mayfield's legitimate quarterback, blah, blah, blah. Same old Browns, they get smoked by the Rams. I'll go 41-20. So you are not into the hype just yet. I was off the hype in week one. I'm starting to come back to that because week two looked pretty good. Yes, it was against an awful Jets team who are now a more than 20-point underdog to the Patriots this coming week, but still a primetime victory is a primetime victory. I think it's actually going to be Cleveland by 3, 20, or no, 31-28. But if it's going to be a blowout, I could see a Rams blowout because the Rams blow out the Saints. 
Um, I'll so, tell you what, since yeah. we're doing rapid fire and you like to do <laughs> prop bets, I'll make one with you right now. Sure. If the Cleveland Browns beat the Rams in prime time, I will come back on the podcast and I'll tell you what, you can come up with the rest. You can make a list of things you want me to read that are negative about Philly. I'll sing a song for you. I'll <laughs> confess my love for Matt Stafford, whatever the case may be. If <laughs> Cleveland can find a way to pull out the W, I'll come on and do whatever you want, Tom. How about that? Works for me. That would that would be very interesting. <laughs> and, of course, if you listen to a, a previous podcast I've done with Ryan, we joked that um, we would show Ben Simmons how to shoot a jumper. Hi, I'm Tom Green. Hi, I'm Ryan Drinkwater. And we're going to show Ben Simmons how to hit a jump shot. <laughs> yeah, well, I think he actually watched some of mine because he's, uh, he's been looking pretty good this offseason. Again, just shooting at a gym alone, but you got to take what you can get. <laughs> exactly, especially with that. And <laughs> Devin Booker in double teams. Oh my God! I don't want any double teams. I see this all season. Well, you got to practice for it, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that is our rapid fire picks. As always, I will ask: Is there anything else you have to add to this wonderful Tom Green podcast? Well, I just want to say, Tom, you're doing a great job, man. I love the show. It's always a pleasure to come on. Oh, definitely. I, uh, you know, I'll have to. I'll definitely have to text you or tweet you something when the Eagles are spanking the lines this weekend. So. <laughs> Other than that, man, I don't have anything else to say. Fly, Eagles, fly. Of course. Um, uh, well, I I guess the last question will be uh, Pats or Genos? Pats or Genos? Uh, you know what? I, neither. They're, they're pretty good, but not... It's one of them things, again, that people outside of Philly think it's only those two, but there's there's other ones that are better. I like Delisandro's. Tony Luke's is a pretty good one. But if I had to pick between Pats and Geno's, I would probably take Pats. Okay. And I we've, we've talked before off-air, but I have a buddy of mine who lives in Essexville who, who is actually from southern New Jersey. His name's Andrew Taylor. He is a listener of the show. In fact, when I, I've told him about... Um, our show was together, and he and he had said that he would take one of those off-branded um, cheesesteaks over Pat's and Geno's as well. So if I ever go to Philly, I'm going to have to remember that. <laughs> yeah, if you're ever down in Philly, Tom, I'll take you somewhere to get you a real cheesesteak, not something that's just Pat's and Geno's, which everybody seems to think are the best. They're, you know, they probably have just as good cheesesteaks in your neck of the woods than that they have at these two places. But if you're down there, I'll take you to one of my secret spots. You can let everybody know how great it was. There we go. We got this. He is Ryan Drinkwater, Philly's finest sports network, spelled like the Philly fanatic finest. And this has been the Tom Green Podcast.